We had uh, way too much fun as a staff looking at all the different breakup clips that we could use to set up these sermons. Uh, and the reality is that one just makes me chuckle because I think he captures just the terrible feeling that you get when you're being broken up with. Anybody resonate with that? Just me? It's the, hey, it's over. It, 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 he captured that really well. It's gut-wrenching. It's terrible. Nobody likes to get broken up with. And yet... The whole premise of what we're talking about throughout this series is the reality that, man, God has saved us from our old lives. Can we just give some celebration, give an amen to that? God has saved us from something that leads nowhere good. We were hopeless, we were helpless, we were lost without him. We were dead, and now we have been given new life. And so the challenge that we are all called to is the reality that God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to become more like him. And as I become more like him, what that means is I've got to keep breaking up with the old life. I, the things of the old life, they, they don't belong with the new life. They have no part there. And so the temptation that we fall into, I think, a lot of times is we, we try to walk the line and we try to have the best of both worlds and God, it doesn't work, right? The holy hug. I, I want to keep holding on to some of these parts of the old life because they're just so fun and I don't want to give up just yet, but I really like what Jesus has to offer and it just doesn't work. The old life has no place in the new life. And, and there, are, there are things, there are moments, there are times in our life where God calls us to break up with the old life. And that's what we're talking about as we unpack this series, walk through Ephesians chapter 4, and really think about what it is that Paul is speaking into our lives. And I just want to challenge you just to take a next step in your faith. I, what I love about gathering together as a church family is that we have opportunities to take these steps together. Let me give you a quick commercial. Uh, we are beginning a new tradition here at Crossroads this fall. Starting September 1st, we're starting a thing called First Wednesday. And what we're going to do on First Wednesdays is we're going to gather at each of our campuses at 6.30 p.m., and we're going to worship and we are going to pray. Uh, I think now more than ever, we need to focus uh, specific times where we come together and we pray. Because right now, uh, people need Jesus. We need to draw close to Jesus. We need to stay exactly where he wants us to be. We need to stay laser focused on listening to his voice and lifting him high. So I just want to have you put that on your calendar. First Wednesdays. The first one is September 1st, prayer and worship night. I would love to have you join us. That'll happen right in here at our Goshen campus uh, and at the Battelle Center for our Mishawaka campus. It's going to be amazing, and I want you to be a part of it. But the reality is we are called to a new life. And we have to break up with the old life because the old life has no place in the new life. And last week in Ephesians chapter 4, we read through these verses. And I just want you to listen to this. Paul writes, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. Break up with it, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God truly righteous and holy. He's calling us to embrace the new life, to break up with the old life. It's, it's clear as it could possibly be. The old life has no place with the new life. But here's where he continues, and here's where we, we continue today. He says, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. This is really, really important. Don't, don't miss the significance of that statement when he says, so stop telling lies. This is a big deal. This is much bigger than just telling some random white lie. This is speaking to the very heart of who we are. 
and the journey that God has called us to. Because if we can't be honest with God, if we can't be honest with ourselves, if we can't be honest with others, there's no way we're going to be able to completely break up with the old way of life. There's no way we're going to be able to fully embrace this new life that God has called us to because we have to say goodbye to the lies. Let's identify what that means real quick. When we talk about lies being so significant and so detrimental to our relationship with God, I think it's really important to realize that when we're talking about lies, we're talking about lies that are critical to the, to the journey that our soul takes in becoming more like Jesus. We're talking about the lies where we say, yes, God, I recognize that there's something in my life that probably shouldn't be there, but I'm not like everybody else. Everybody else, they can be consumed and destroyed by that, but I'm okay. I've got this. It's those kinds of lies. It's those kinds of lies that just kind of keep God at arm length and say, I'm okay. And it's the lies that the devil tells us where he says, hey, you can walk down this path and it's not going to hurt you. You'll be just fine. And if you go all the way back to the beginning of time, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, that's where it all began, this deception. Jesus said when, when the devil speaks uh, lies, he speaks his native language. He is the father of lies. If you want to be associated with lies, you're being associated with the things that are evil, the things of the devil. And in, in the Garden of Eden, what you see is Adam and Eve are, are in the, the garden. There is one law, right? You don't eat the fruit from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Like, don't eat the fruit from that tree. They had one thing. I mean, think about that. There was, you only had one job, right? Come on. And that was it. Don't eat the fruit from this tree. So, so how does the devil work, right? It says the devil in the form of a serpent came up to Adam and Eve and said, did God really say don't eat this fruit? He plants the seeds of doubt. What the immediate response should have been was, yes, now get away from us. That's our one thing that we have to do. And yet over time, he begins to sow those seeds of doubt. The devil deceives, will you really die if you eat from this fruit? I mean, come on, look how delicious and good that looks. It can't really be that bad. You know, God only doesn't want you to eat that fruit because you'll be as smart as he is. Oh. And then we buy the lie. We eat the fruit, and because of that moment, I mean, everything changed. Think about it. The Garden of Eden, the creation that God had made, it was good. There's no evil. There's no pain. There's no suffering. There's no death. And because of sin, all of these things entered into the world. I think a lot of times what we have to remember is that anytime God gives us guidance, anytime he gives us any direction for our life, we have to rem remember it is always for our benefit, all right? And I think that the lie that we begin to buy sometimes is that if I, if I truly follow the plan that God has for my life, it's, it's a life that will not be fun, it's a life that will be boring, it's a life that will be dull. When the reality is when we buy the lie and we, we walk down the path that leads to destruction, it, it always takes us farther than we want to go. It overpromises, it underdelivers, it never satisfies. When we pursue the things of this world, possessions, and pleasure, power, prestige, those things never deliver what only God can deliver. And so the devil is the father of lies. He's always trying to tell you, hey, this is the best path for your life. Forget what God's saying. We know how to do this better. And what we see in James chapter 1 is his template 
for how he begins to get us to go down this path, how he deceives us, how he gets us to buy the lie. And it's really important that we lean into this and identify this pattern in our lives because this is how he gets us. It says in 1 Peter 5.8 that the devil is like a lion that's on the prowl. He's seeking out who he can devour. He is looking for your weaknesses. He's trying to figure out what it is that trips you up, that entangles you, and, and causes you to go down that path that leads to destruction. And he is coming after you. That's why it's so incredibly important that we stay focused on God's truth for our lives, that we don't allow ourselves to buy the lies. Because the reality is, we need Jesus He's called us to a life that is incredible and new. It's life to the fullest. It's a life that's filled with purpose and meaning. We have hope for a future. He offers us everything that the world is promising us. And only God can deliver on that. So what does the devil do? He tries to take our, our focus off of Jesus. In James chapter 1, we see his template for how he tricks us. It says, temptation comes from our own desires. Right? Those are the... The, the desires that we are born with, what we call our sinful nature. And I like to say in our household, anytime that I see something in our kids, like, where did that come from? They were angry. They were greedy. Why did they have such an attitude? That does not come from the fisher side of the family. That comes from the wolf side of the family. That's all from the in-laws, right? If that's evil, it's got to be from the in-laws. There's no way that comes from, from this side of the family. But we are born with this pre-programmed disposition to do things that are wrong. Nobody has to teach us how to do those things. And yet those things always take us to places we never intended to go. And the lie that the devil tells us is that, oh, those things destroy other people's lives, but you can control it. You're going to be okay. Don't buy the lie. That's how he gets you. So it says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us, they deceive us, and they drag us away. That's the lie. These desires give birth to sinful actions. That brings me to a moment of decision where I choose to do something that is wrong. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. What James is saying here is it always takes you farther than you want to go. Those are the choices that always lead you down the path toward destruction. And you have to stop buying the lie that you're okay that that only impacts negatively other people's lives. That, that's not going to mess with me. I'm in control of this. I've got this. No, that's the lie. And the devil, he's the father of lies. When he lies, he speaks his native language. When he's dangling that thing that entices you, he's trying to deceive you. It, it's the same word that they see in, in the New Testament there that they use for a fishing lure, all right? And I know some of you guys are big fishermen out here, and you tell me all the time, I've got the perfect bait to catch these, you know, largemouth bass or the walleye. I hear it all the time. You guys, you know, this one, this uh, little fly I bought, it's $7,000, but it catches the perfect fish. You know, I, I, I know how it is. I know how it is. I really need to buy this one. It's $600. It's a great deal. I'll catch the perfect fish with this one. The devil knows exactly how to hook you, right? It's just like a fish. And we think we're all so smart, right? Like we outsmarted a fish. Really? I mean, come on now. Uh, but we get so proud of ourselves. I, uh, full disclosure, my last name is Fisher, but I'm a terrible fisherman. I'm one of the worst fishermen I know. Uh, two summers ago, we took the family up to Canada. We're at this little house, uh, this little cabin on a lake, beautiful scene, and it's a beautiful dock that goes out to the lake, and my boys, for the couple nights we were there, they really wanted to go fishing, and I'm like, oh, I hate fishing, I just, I just don't like any part of it, I'm too impatient, I just, I don't enjoy it at all, but I said, you know what, 
I will, I will let you guys go fishing. We came completely unprepared, so we had to go 25 minutes into the little town. We went to like the, the Canadian version of Walmart, right? It's actually called Walmart. And so we went to Walmart <laughs> in Canada, and I bought the cheapest fishing pole I could find that wasn't like a Barbie fishing pole. It was, it was about $18, looked full size, had a little bobber that it came with and a hook, and uh, we were good to go. I, I didn't buy anything else, so when we got... <laughs> So when we got to the dock, like, Dad, what are we going to catch the fish with? So we cut up hot dogs, and we put hot dogs on the hooks, and I let them go fishing with hot dogs. And, I mean, I'm being serious. There's my kid. I got a picture of, of my youngest son, Jake. He's fishing. I mean, look, at it's a beautiful scene. That's right before all of his hopes and dreams are about to be dashed because he's trying to fish with a hot dog. Um, <laughs> lo and behold, the hot dogs, I mean, Canadian fish, they love hot dogs. I mean, they start catching these bass. Look at this fish he caught. It's not true without a picture. He caught that fish with a Walmart fishing pole and a hot dog. You're welcome. You're welcome. Now you know. Now you know how to catch fish. Maybe I am a fisherman. I don't know. I'm going to have to reevaluate everything about my history as a fisherman. The reality is I had no idea that a hot dog would work, but sure enough, they, those Canadian bass, they love themselves a hot dog. And when you dangle that hot dog in front of them, they get caught, and it's fantastic. But the thing is, the devil knows what your weakness is. The devil knows what entices you. The devil knows what your temptations are to walk away from this new life that God has called you to. He's not dumb. He's been doing this for a long time. And when we begin to buy the lie that I'm okay, I don't have any issues. I don't have any weaknesses. That's a dangerous place to be living. Because you're allowing the devil to get his hook in you. And he's taking you somewhere you don't want to go. I think what we have to realize is that anything that is out of balance in my life is something that is mastering me. That's where the devil gets a foothold in your life. That foothold over time becomes a stronghold and it begins to consume you. You become mastered by that temptation, by that sin, by that addiction. And then when that hook is set, he's taking you down that path of destruction. You're going to end up going way farther than you ever intended to go. And the devil wins that fight. It all begins with us buying that lie. I'm okay. Everything's fine. I've got this. I, I can control this. It's okay. And I'm telling you right now that if that's where you're at, if you're having a battle right now, you've you got to break up with that lie. It's time to say goodbye to that lie. Because that lie is taking you down a place you don't want to go. It's taking you from this new life that, that God wants you to experience. I mean, we see this in our daily lives. Something I'm, I'm reading here is just knowledge that everybody is, is, is aware of and it's available to everyone. Five stages of addiction. Let's just talk about this, how we see this in our society today. It's the same kind of setup, right? Uh, this, the first stage is the first use, right? The first step to addiction is trying the substance for the first time. So you say, ah, oh, I probably shouldn't do this, but I'm going to go ahead and try it for the first time because I've got this. This ruins everybody else, but it's just one time. I'm fine, right? No big deal. So you try that thing, whatever it is, for the first time. And I think a lot of times we mistake addiction to just, you know, relegating that addiction to substance abuse or alcohol abuse or something like that. But it, it's any addiction that begins to control you. It's anything in your life that has mastered you. It's not just addictions to drugs or alcohol. It can be anything. Anything that takes you from the life that God is calling you to. 
And so it starts with that first time, right? And then it goes on to stage two. It becomes regular use. A pattern develops. This behavior in your life becomes much more important. So now the devil's got your attention, right? He's, he's kind of hooked you a little bit, and he's got you veering toward the wrong direction. But still, you're, you're buying a lie. I'm okay. I've got this. Everything's fine. This ruins other people, but not me. I've got this. And then it leads to stage three, risky use. Now you've got dangerous behavior, and it's inhibiting your success, and relationships in your life are suffering because of this thing, this addiction, this thing that has mastered you in your life. It's taking you farther than you wanted to go. It's starting to have negative consequences, but still you hold on to the lie. I'm okay. I've got this. We're good. I'm in control here. And you're not surrendering that to Jesus, which leads to stage four, dependence. This is a dangerous tolerance level that produces physical and psychological symptoms in someone. I mean, now this addiction has a firm hold on you. You are losing control. But still we buy the lie. I'm going to be okay. I, I need this in my life. Even though it's already taking you down a path you never intended to go, you're not willing yet to let go of that. I, I've still got this. I'm, I'm buying the lie. And then you see it unfold. I mean, level five is substance use disorder. This leads to loss of normal function, negatively impacts every area of your life. Your life has been destroyed by this addiction. You have been consumed by something. You have been completely mastered by something in your life. I just want to challenge you today that nobody thinks they're going to end up there. But that whole process begins with buying the lie the first time. Did God really say you shouldn't eat the fruit from that tree? Did he really say that? You know, God just doesn't want you to be as smart as he is. You should really actually try that. We rationalize. We justify. And then before we know it, we've, we've bought the lie. And I think we have to recognize the lies in our life that we just have to say, no, I'm not going to buy this lie anymore. It's time to break up. What I love about Crossroads is we have an amazing ministry called Celebrate Recovery. Uh, I want to invite a friend of mine, Ryan LeCount, to join me on the stage. Would you give Ryan a huge welcome as he walks on the stage today? Um, Ryan has agreed to come up and talk about Celebrate Recovery for a minute uh, because he has a great experience with this. And Ryan, thank you so much for joining me here. Thank you guys I, for that warm welcome. <laughs> Normally I cross-reference it with the welcome Ashley gets on stage. And if I can oh. get anywhere near her level, then... How did yeah. that compare when we, yeah. when we welcome Ashley I can't, on stage? I can't do it. No, you guys go ham and rightfully so for Ashley. So <laughs> I'll stick to being Ashley's husband around here. So that's all right. Yeah. We, we are going to try our best to make up for that when you leave the stage. Okay. Are you guys with me right. on that? Yeah, okay. you got to. Not because we're excited to see you leave the stage, but because right. we want to show you our excitement. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. So you had, you had an impression of Celebrate Recovery that I think a lot of people have. Talk to me about what your original thoughts about Celebrate Recovery were at Crossroads. Right. So uh, being married to Ashley, Pastor Ashley, she's been around Celebrate Recovery for a long time in a lot of different ways and from a lot of different angles. My brother uh, started attending and his wife, so my brother and sister-in-law, and they became leaders in Celebrate Recovery. And they were always talking all the time with all these family get-togethers, how great Celebrate Recovery is, all these changed lives, amazing things happening. Yeah. And I'd always kick back and just kind of listen and think, man, that sounds really amazing. If only I had an issue, right? Like, if only I wasn't perfect, yes. you know? Yes. So, like, well, that's great for them, but well, I'm perfect, <laughs> so we're good, right? 
Uh, right? But, I mean, I say that it was always kind of a joke, but I think there is a, a grain of truth to that. Like, when you hear about sober recovery, you might think, well, you know, it's only for substance abuse or, you know, it's only for somebody who's, you know, on heroin or an alcoholic. Or, and it is for people who are alcoholics and on heroin, but it yep. is also much more than that. And I think um, a lot of us can buy into that lie. I did for the longest time, and I had people all around me in my life talking about how amazing sober recovery was. And I still bought that lie like, well, yeah, but I'm good, you know. And it's pride. And so, you know, if that's you this morning, I would just encourage you to just tell the devil no. Like, I'm, I'm done listening to you. Uh, I'm going to show up at Celebrate Recovery because we all have issues. And so Celebrate Recovery is a phenomenal program, phenomenal leaders. Uh, I promise you if you show up, you'll get something out of it, uh, regardless of what it is um, that you're going through in life. Because we all struggle. Yeah, uh, that's a good word. Um, here's what we need to do before he leaves the stage. Can we give Ryan a huge round of applause? That was awesome. Ryan, thank, thank you, guys. You. Love you, guys. That was that was pretty solid. Ryan, you should feel good about that round of applause. Great. <laughs> Lights off. <laughs> he wanted to respond, but we had already cut off his mic, which is hilarious. It's, 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 it's perfect. Yeah. yeah, whatever, Ryan. Okay, got it. <laughs> uh, I, love, I love that changing of perspective of what Celebrate Recovery is and how it applies to life uh, that Ryan went through and was willing to share with us because it's so true. I think we relegate in our mind, oh, Celebrate Recovery is for people with problems. <laughs> well, we all have problems. We all have issues. We all have that thing that we're trying to get victory over because the devil's going after us. He's coming after our weaknesses. And the best thing that we can do if we're going to take a step forward in our relationship with God, if we're going to break up with the old life and embrace the new life, is we've got to say goodbye to the lies. Stop buying that lie that you're okay. Stop giving in to the desires of your heart and, and buying the lie that the devil's putting in front of you. Because it leads nowhere good. It, it leads to a path of destruction. And Jesus has so much more for you. So much more for you than that. I, I love how in James chapter 1, it continues on. After showing us how the devil takes us and leads us down this path that leads to death, he changes gears. He says in verse 16, So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Don't buy the lie. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. What an unbelievable turn of events that paints for us. While the devil plays to all of our, our evil desires, he tries to trick us into thinking everything's okay, we've got this, I've got control, I'm, I'm going to be fine, and ultimately leads us to our demise. What we see here is that, man, I don't have to buy that lie. Never forget that everything that is good and perfect, everything that God wants for you in this new life that he's called you to, it comes from God. It comes from his truth. Stop buying the lies. And the truth is that God loves you with an extravagant love. The truth is that you have become his prized possession. What an amazing concept that is. I hope that you, that doesn't get lost on you. We reference that from time to time. You are God's prized possession, his favorite of all of his creation. That is who you are. You are his prized possession. That's how he sees you. 
And when he gives you direction for your life, when he gives you guidance, when he says, hey, stop going down that path that's going to lead to your destruction, when you say, no, God, I've got this, I'm good, you're turning your back on everything good that he has for you. Because everything that he's doing for you, every path that he's guiding you toward, everything that he's directing you to, it is for your benefit. He's, he's wanting you to experience this new life. And he's paid a huge price so that you could experience that. He laid down his life on the cross. That's what Jesus did so you could experience forgiveness of your sin, that sin that separates you from God. He paid that price so that you could be set free. You don't have to be trapped in that old life anymore. You can embrace this new life. You are his prized possession. Back in uh, 2002, let's go back 19 years ago, 2002, I had just become a youth pastor down in Clearwater, Florida, and Dan and I, it was a huge leap of faith. I mean, we had nothing. We started off with absolutely nothing. It was a glorious time in life. It really was. And the one thing that Dana wanted more than anything else in the world was one of those new Volkswagen Beetles. All right, I don't know if you guys go back in time 19 years and you remember, oh, those are cool. Uh, no other car matches my wife's personality better than the Volkswagen new Beetle. It comes with a vase and the dashboard that you put flowers in. I mean, if there was ever a car that matched up with my wife's personality, there it was. And so I was just thankful, you know, in 2002, going into ministry, that my wife's dream car was a car that I could snag for less than $15,000. It was fantastic. So what did I do as a husband? I tried my best to make that dream come true. And lo and behold, we found the right deal, we pulled the trigger, and we bought a new Volkswagen Beetle. She had her prized possession. And you guys, she was so happy. Happy wife, happy life. It's worth the investment. It's so good even though that was easily the worst car we've ever purchased. I just, you know, that's the end of the story. Oh, it was a horrible car. Everything that could go wrong with it, it did. I'm just telling you that right now. That's why there aren't many of them left around. Now, that was the prized possession, right? It's like, oh, this is amazing, my dream car. That same feeling that you get when you, you know, get what you've been working for, you achieve that goal, it's like, yes, this is, what it, this is what it is all about. This is my prized possession. This is my great moment. That's the feeling God gets when he looks at you. Can you even wrap your mind around that? You are his prized possession. And God loves you. There is nothing you can do about it. He loves you with an extravagant love. And he's calling us to this extraordinary new life. New life that has everything that we're looking for. It gives us hope for a future. It gives us purpose. I can be set free. I can experience real joy and real peace. What Jesus has to offer us in the new life is everything that the things of this world are trying to promise us. It's all right there. But to embrace that, I've got to break up with the old life. I've got to say goodbye to the lies. Because when I recognize there's something in my life that does not belong in the new life, I've got to be willing to be honest. Honest with God, honest with myself, honest with others, and be willing to say in that moment, hey, I'm not okay. There's some things in my life I need to surrender to Jesus. I need to get rid of these things of the old life and embrace the new. And I believe that that's where God's calling us to go. And I just want to remind you that anything that is out of balance in your life is something that is mastering you. Anything that you've been struggling against with God and you've been saying, no, I know this, 
this isn't exactly what you want, God, but I've got this. I'm okay. I've got this under control. Yes, this ruins other people's lives, but not mine. You've got to break up with that lie. It's time to say goodbye to the lie. It's time to say yes to Jesus because that's how you're going to embrace and experience this new life that he's called us to. And so keeping that in mind, I just want to say this. It's, it's time. It's time to say goodbye to the lies. And as we come to a close, I would just ask where you're seated today, would you bow your head and close your eyes? Would you take a moment here just to draw close to Jesus and, and listen to his voice? Don't listen to my voice in this moment. Listen to the voice of Jesus. How's the Holy Spirit convicting you this morning? How's he drawing you closer to him? I want to remind you today that God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. The whole point is he wants you to become more like him, and these are the moments where we can do that. And so I ask you, what lie do you need to say goodbye to? What is it that you need to get rid of? What's holding you back from fully experiencing this, this new life that God offers you, fully forgiven, fully free? I want to invite you, with, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, you might be here and you're realizing, I've never received the gift that Jesus gave me. I've never asked to be forgiven of my sins. I've never asked to be set free. And I honestly didn't even realize until this moment that that was an option for me, that God still loves me. And I want to affirm to you today that God loves you. There's nothing you can do about that. So if you're here today, if you're joining us online, wherever you're at, if the desire of your heart is to say yes to Jesus, I, I would invite you where you're seated with heads bowed and eyes closed to say this prayer with me. Would you just say, Jesus, I need you. I believe you are the savior of the world. That you gave your life to forgive my sins and that God raised you from the grave so that I could have eternal life. I am saying yes to you, Jesus. Come into my life. I will follow you. And let me tell you something. If you've said that prayer, if you've asked Jesus to come into your life, if you have said yes to him today for the first time, there is a celebration going on in heaven right now because what was dead is now alive. What was lost is now found. You have new life. Embrace it. Chase Jesus with everything you've got. We would love to go on that journey with you. If you've said yes to Jesus, we'd love to talk with you in the lobby today to talk to you about what next steps you should take as you embrace this new life and begin your relationship with Jesus because everything has been made new. And for everyone here today who's already said yes to Jesus, I, I just want to invite you today to say goodbye to the lies. If you're realizing that you've been buying a lie and that there's something in your life that you need to just surrender to Jesus, you need to say, Jesus, no, I, I don't actually have control of this. You're calling me to give this up and to lay this down at your feet, and this is the moment I'm going to do that. I invite you to respond today by being anointed. Being anointed is something we do here at Crossroads from time to time. There's nothing magical about being anointed by oil, but I will tell you this, it's a sacred moment. When you respond by being anointed, you're, you're coming forward. The, the sign of the cross is put on your forehead, and you are blessed. You are anointed in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and that act of coming forward to be anointed, it's an act of surrender. And today, that's a, a moment of response. It's saying, Jesus, I surrender. 
I've been holding on to this lie, and it's time to say goodbye. And so I invite you to participate today by responding by being anointed. If, if God is revealing to you today, it's time to say goodbye to a lie. Respond in this moment. Lay that down at the feet of Jesus and embrace the new life that he calls us to. Our pastors will be at the front of the room, and as we stand to sing this last song, I invite you to join us in this moment of worship and being anointed. Let's stand together and pray. God, you're good. And we just pause to thank you for your great love, to think about the fact that we are your prized possession. It really is an amazing and extraordinary truth. And God, I ask that you would just give us the courage and the strength and the wisdom to, to trust you, to trust that when you guide us, when you direct our paths toward the new life, that everything you do for us, that you instruct us to do, it, it's for our benefit. Help us to be honest with you, God, with ourselves, with others, to not hold on to these lies that the devil gives us. God, give us the courage and the strength in this moment right now to say goodbye to the lie, to surrender, to lay what we've been holding on to down at your feet and to embrace fully, God, this new life that you've called us to. We love you and we praise you. We pray this in your name. Amen.